What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday of the Screamers podcast. I'm your host, Steve McCutcheon, with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Noen. We have another great show for you today, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Also, follow us over on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Um, let's just hop right into the show, guys. We have a lot to talk about real quick. Um, most importantly, the news and notes from around the league had a lot of sackings. And another hiring for the Barclays Premier League, Fark mm-hmm. and Dean Smith both lo- both lost their jobs at Norwich and Ashton Villa, respectively. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie Howe was hired as the manager of Newcastle going forward. What are what are the thoughts? Man, I guess we could start with the uh, people who, unfortunately, you never hate, want to see someone lose their job, but um, we could probably start there. Fark, 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 a Fark. Fark. Uh, Fark finally got their first win at Norwich just to get a nice gut punch and lose his job. So uh, <laughs> that definitely sucks for him. And you totally feel this after, especially speaking with like the fan base too, like they really, from what it seemed, backed him a lot given like the ups and downs that that club has been through. So in all honesty and logically, I think it was probably the right time to make a move. Uh, you want to nip it in the bud as soon as you can early in the season and try to bring someone in who can make a positive change. But um, to do it, especially after the first win, is it's a little messed up, in my opinion, but it had to happen sooner rather than later. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, Mike. We talked about it in the, the hooligan half hour that we had uh, a week mm-hmm. or two ago with uh, we had a North supporter on. Um, and I, I said the same thing. I was like, I know it's it's terrible. You don't want it. You don't want it to happen. You know, what I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. obviously involved the club, you know, as the players, but. Even with the win, you're in last place in the league. You have to make a change if, as soon as possible if you want to stay in this league. It's not like he had three or four games. I mean, you're talking about 10 games into the season. You're talking about a, qu- a quarter, more than a quarter, technically, mm-hmm. of the year to get a result, and he had it until then. I think I think ultimately the decision was already made. Whether No matter what the result was, it was it was always going to go down this way. They, they knew what was going to happen, and, and um, I don't want to say it's a good thing for the club. But I think if you want a chance to survive in this league, a change had to be made to your point and you had to make it sooner than later. Yeah, it was the coming up. It was more or less the timing was pretty perfect. The conditions were right for it with the international break. getting Someone to come in. So I agree. Yeah. When you look at most of the top teams in the league, you, you go a couple of results, like a bad month or two you're pretty much on your way out anyway. And they let, they kind of let it get uh, a lot farther mm-hmm. than that. So dude, I mean, look at Nuno one manager of the month in September and then a month later or a month and a half later, he's out. So yeah. Yeah. If it, it honestly, there was the results are one thing and obviously that helps you to keep your job. But if, if you're, I don't want to say personality, but if your mentality for the team and where you're driving them forward, isn't where the, the directors and the boards think it needs to be going, then mm-hmm. you don't stand a chance. And I, I mean, the results weren't on his side to help. And I don't think the style of football was helping either at that point. I mean, they've scored mm-hmm. what five goals all season and two of them came in last game. So yeah. the one I was more surprised about too, um, not necessarily the FARC, Spark one, but the Dean Smith one in particular, given the amount of money they spent over the summer, the way the board, you know, was promising some type of like more attacking level of football in general at Villa. I thought he, obviously they had a bad run of form at Aston Villa, but I don't know if he necessarily deserved a sacking just yet. Um, and that one kind of surprised me a little bit. And I'm kind of curious how you guys felt about that in particular. I think kind of like exactly what you just said, though, they spent so much money. It reminds yeah. me kind of more of a Frank Lampard situation where 
they spent the crap ton in the summer. He didn't get results, and that's where the firing led to. Mm. Um, five straight losses in the Premier League is a very, very big deal. It's right now it's half the season, and they haven't started out as high as they wanted to. And well, I should say they started out relatively okay. Um, but afterwards, I mean, they, they should be, I think their expectations were right now should be top half table, if not eighth or ninth place fighting for Europe. Yep. And they're sitting about what, a couple of points. 16th. Yeah. 16th at 10 points. Yeah. And uh, you can look at those last five results and go, okay, you lost to West Ham third in the table. You lost to Arsenal fifth in the table. You lost to Wolves who are, who don't deserve to be that low in the table, given the style of play they have and the attractive football that they have. You lost to Tottenham. All right. A great team. And you beat Manchester United. Well, let's, pump the, let's pump the brakes on a great team with Tottenham. Let's not go no, too no, no. far. No, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about yeah, a couple of the big I, I boys, know, right? I know. But ultimately, it doesn't matter who you're playing. The fact of the matter is you lost five games in a row. That's, that's just how it is. To Steve's point, you put all this money in your team. You lost one player in Danny Ings, and you brought in four or five very good players. And you lost five games. You're, you're sitting near the relegation zone. And not only near the relegation zone i mean you're talking about two points above the relegation zone that's not a place that they should be at 11 games into the season given the investments they made in the squad and if they want to be treated like a like a, one of the big clubs in the league then this is the type of decision that all these bigger clubs make could you imagine if chelsea lost five games in a row the questions would be sitting in the exact same position so i don't think there's much fault at at the club for choosing a new direction to go because not only were results not improving performances weren't improving Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. But um, on the other side, I guess more positive news, Eddie Howe coming back into the Premier League. Um, thoughts on him joining Newcastle and maybe their aspirations? Honestly, the only now the richest left. man in the league. I think at this moment in time, I, I obviously I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to be the long-term solution or the long-term coach they want, but for the position mm-hmm. that the club is in and the person they needed to attract, who's familiar with this type of specific battle, because yeah. they are, in, you know, don't make it any like, like, it's a battle for them to get out of the relegation zone right now. It's a war. Uh, yeah. So, and that guy is acutely familiar doing it with Bournemouth over the past couple of years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's actually a great hiring and he's also a great man manager. And I think that's what that team needs right now to really be motivated. Um, so kudos to that board for being able to get him in. I know he's said some stuff about in the past about a, I think he like made some comments about not being or not wanting to work up north because it was like too cold or some shit. But it'll be interesting to see how he obviously adapts in Newcastle. But um, I think for that team in particular, great appointment. He's obviously going to have some money to spend in January, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see who he wants to bring in and reinforce the squad with. But I, I think he gives them a legitimately a fighting chance to get out. Yeah, I, I think you hit it right in the head. He's he's not the long term manager, and Newcastle's had the long term managers bringing Sir Alex Ferguson back at this point. But short term, who else is he going to get them out of the relegation zone that's available? Who's willing to come to a team that's sitting in second to last place? He played pretty good football. He he had he had Burnmouth humming pretty well for a while until he had one like really bad spell with them. I mm. I do you think this this appointment means they don't end up relegated, or do you think sorry the squad is just it's not capable of it? January is going to be a big teller of what they spend. Yeah, I, not, right not now, even, though, not right even now. that because they have to have that team for the next couple months, right? The next couple games, yeah. and you know, at that point, that hole just might be too large for them to for anybody to dig out. It doesn't matter what manager or what players you bring in. 
So it, it's, it's a really, it's a valid question. Um, in all honesty, no, I, I don't think it's enough. I, I don't think anything will change until they bring in the correct players to implement a specific system because he could be the best manager in the world. They could bring in the, like a Diego Simeone or somebody who's amazing man management. And I still think that this team would struggle to get out of that relegation zone, just yeah, I, given the quality of the players. I, I completely agree with you. I, I think not – I don't think January is going to be the deciding factor. I think their next four games are going to be the deciding factor. A struggling Brentford while Newcastle's home, an Arsenal team, which regardless of the fact that they're in fifth, are vulnerable to mistakes and vulnerable to upsets. And then you're talking about Norwich and Burnley, two winnable games. If they can collect two bottom of the bottom of the table games, exactly. They have to, they have if to if they can collect seven yeah. to eight points in those four games, which is doable because they should beat Norwich and they should at least get a draw against Burnley at a minimum, right? You think a win against Brentford or Burnley, and they're back in business. I think you you if they come out of these next four games getting three points. I mean, <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what their, their games look like after that. It's horrific. But I'm looking at them right now. You got Leicester, Liverpool, Man City, Man U, and then if ever find, yeah. find a way so to pick it up. If you don't get points from these next four, you're almost certainly losing the following four. So January to me doesn't make a difference because they're not going to have signings by the time they get into those big games. And it's just it's just a daunting task. They have to collect the points. And I think Eddie Howe could do it. I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. They finish 15th. Oh, that is quite 15th. the statement there. <laughs> I think he will get the points he needs now. He'll they'll definitely lose the games against City and Leicester and United, most likely, I should say. Not obviously definite. But with that January investment on top of the on top of the next four games, potentially picking up a decent amount of points, I think they claw out. At this we're, moment in time, I don't see it. We're we don't have uh we don't have a bold predictions uh, section today since we're going to the international <laughs> break, but um, I'm going to hold you to that. That one's going to so. the books. Now you can tweet that. You can post that wherever you want. I don't care. It'll, um, it'll definitely be taken down and uh, we're going to, we're going to have to, <laughs> we're going to hold on to that one. All right. Let's, uh, let's head over to the weekly recap though, where we just head over all the games of the previous match week. Uh, first up, we had a Friday, ma- uh, Friday night game, uh, Southampton versus Villa. Yeah, Southampton, Villa. Southampton, 1-0 winners against Villa. Ultimately, like we were just discussing, caused Dean Smith to get the sack a little bit too early. But, um, you know, pretty cagey game in all honesty. Both teams kind of felt each other out until Southampton eventually were able to get the one goal to separate. Um, overall, good result for Southampton. And Hoffenhusel? Is that how you say it? <laughs> I don't know. You're not but, asking the right guy right now. <laughs> yeah, anyway, they move up, they move up to 13 place on 14 points um and a little bit of good form right now too for Southampton so uh slowly kicking into gear I think their season got off a little bit slower um but they're you know they're again they're grinding out points and finding out ways to win games or draw games uh super important obviously as they you know look to stay in the prem and ultimately fight off a relegation battle down the line so yeah the way they've reacted after the the Danny Ings um Mm -hmm. uh leaving leaving over for Villa which uh that had to feel good winning that game one nothing. Oh yeah, um, phenomenal. Honestly, we all thought they were going to be bottom of the table pretty much, rather you know, right in there with uh, Norwich, and I think we all pretty much had Watford down there too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, props to them. They've they've responded exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Then uh, next up, start off Saturday, we had the Manchester, the Manchester Derby. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, basically, long story short, Ronaldo could not bail out Ole for a 10 millionth time in this game. Um, Manchester City, pretty much from the opening whistle, just pretty much dominated <laughs> uh, Manchester United. It felt like it was a U18 team playing against a team of grown men, at least watching it from a neutral yeah. perspective. Oof. Wow, that's rough. Um, Jeez, I mean, they were passing through them. The second goal in particular, I believe the Man City account on Twitter today actually posted. It was like a nice 22 pass sequence. I mean, it felt like Manchester United were chasing shadows, kind of similar to the Liverpool game, but without the 5-0 result, in my opinion, um, where they were just very susceptible in the back, in the midfield. Um, Man, you had like one or two chances, but I think ultimately City's midfield in particular just was a class above, and it really showed, so... Yeah, I mean, De Gea in particular too made that game from being a lot worse of a scoreline than De Gea, it right? could have been. Yeah, yeah. he went Aaron Ram- uh, Aaron Ramsdale. He like, was he was pissed after the game too. I don't know if you saw him walking saw down on the Twitter, tunnel, starting punching everything. Yeah, I mean, how could how could you not be that that cl- that team is so so clearly over Ole? It's unbelievable. That dressing room is completely lost, and there's it's unrecoverable. How much longer can he last? Uh, I mean, he'll go the rest of the year. Uh, I don't think they bring in somebody to because I don't know who you bring in at this point because you're probably waiting for another manager to get sacked um, because you can't bring in like another club legend, quote unquote. So they they probably wait for the end of the season or some big name manager who gets pushed out of a role. But um, yeah, they're they're definitely over Ole. I think they're over that. They just an alternate universe. (laughs) Spurs losing 3-0, you know, or, you know, maybe winning that game 3-0. Conte's in that seat, but maybe they win against Manchester City. And you're talking about a Manchester United team in the title race. Now it's, uh, you know, the top four is wide open, you know, given their recent woes. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. For the, for, we, that for the first time probably all season, well, maybe the last two weeks or so, we, we pretty much had the top four locked up, and now we're starting to see some uh, chinks in the armor for a few teams, Liverpool and Man U uh, specifically. Uh, moving on, we got Chelsea and Burnley. Chelsea and Burnley, this was an interesting match. Um, it was – Mike, cover your ears. This is a Sean Dyke masterclass. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, this is this is the Burnley team you're used to seeing, a Burnley team that is staunch in defense. It doesn't give up a whole lot of opportunities. Well, I will say that game was a little bit of a different case. Chelsea had numerous opportunities. I think really the story of this match came down to the missed opportunities on Chelsea's end. There was a couple couple times where you, you thought that game could have been 4-3-0 by the 60th minute, you know, and it wasn't. So credit to Burnley for sticking through it and then grabbing a very, very late equalizer in close to the, the 80th minute and and just locking it down. I mean, that's what they do so well. They're, they, they're so well drilled in the back, so all credit to them. But um, a big slip for Chelsea in, in the title race, I, I mean – Liverpool dropped points. City obviously won. Um, and West Ham moved up a little bit. But, I mean, that was a chance to really put that gap up to, to what, six points at that at that time? Um, so they'll, they'll be pretty disappointed. Overall, though, Chelsea did look very well, very good. I thought Burnley were slightly off the pace. But, again, credit to them for sticking it through, realizing that in a 1-0 game anything could happen. I mean, this is the Premier League we're talking about. And um, a beautifully taken goal by Burnley when they had the opportunity. Lukaku's in that game. They win. Most likely. Yeah, yes. I'd say most likely. Honestly, Werner's in that game. They win. That's bold. That's bold. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm all bold today. That's. <laughs> yeah, How many white claws did you have, bud? Uh, I 
when you come in a pack? <laughs> <laughs> Depends what size. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, Brentford Norwich. Norwich City finally getting their first win of the season. Uh, if you asked me last week, I would have told you that Norwich would have been the last team in the league to, to capture a win. It's not. It's officially Newcastle now. Um, but a very, very good performance from Norwich. A bit of a snatch and grab. They only had one-third of the ball and had, wait for this, 36 clearances in that game. Norwich. Jeez, wow. Christ. Yeah. That is a, that 36. Is a lot. <laughs> That's like three games worth for <laughs> and they did it one against a, an admittedly struggling Brentford side. I mean, it's it's tough to say, but the, the woes continue for Brentford after that. Brentford after that um that unbelievable start they had. You know, we, we talked about it on the show. We were curious how long mm-hmm. they had in them uh, to keep up that style of play, kind of that leads leads right now. They're on a four game slide right yep. now. Yep, so. including the EFL Cup, right? Um, yeah, they lost. Oh, no, they beat yeah. Stoke. Sorry, no, you're right because they lost yeah. Chelsea, Leicester, Burnley, and now Norwich. Yeah. Two of those teams are relegation battle uh, contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, worry, worries for Burnley from you guys? Uh, Burnley, Brentford. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you have to put it up there. Definitely. I mean, on a four game slide, like like we were just talking about, Dean Smith got fired for losing five in a row. Not saying that's mm-hmm. going to happen at Brentford. However, you know, when you look at where they are at the table, they're sitting at 12th, uh, the next closest team to them, or at least in the relegation, Burnley at eighth. Very possible they could get potentially leapfrog given some of the run of games they have coming up, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm just looking at it right now. They play Newcastle, so that's going to be a big game, again, coming back against Eddie Howe. Yeah. Playing Everton, playing Tottenham, Leeds, Watford. So they actually have a couple decently very winnable games. games. Um, especially games in like the bottom half where like they're probably going to be competing with like those spots. So for them in particular, it's going to be kind of similar to Newcastle, pretty important next couple games to see where they really fit within the table. So, yeah, for looking at Brentford's schedule, it's every other game is against either United, Chelsea, City, or Liverpool. The games in between that are the winnable ones against Brighton, Aston Villa, and Southampton. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. You, they cannot slip against those those quote unquote lower table teams, I mm-hmm. guess you know. Um, but you know, not to take any, not to continue talking about Brentford. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Norwich. This this was a huge result. This was an oh, absolutely yeah. huge, huge result. Yeah, it puts you two games, two games out of uh, getting out of relegation zone. Assuming obviously they uh, go three on the bounce and stuff, but yeah. It's exactly it's exactly what they needed at this time. Granted, yes, the whole manager switch and everything. But you're going like Mike said before. I think you're going into international break. You can kind of get a little refresh button on the season, mm-hmm. and just uh, move forward. And then you know you have the three points to back you up. Maybe Pookie gets in a little form. Sergeant yeah. Nick's one in the Premier League finally, and mm-hmm. you, you can be on a roll for Norwich next too. Their next three games: Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle. It's not a bad run right there either. They they could get seven points from those games easily. They could. I think really? five is realistic or four four is realistic, but they could do it. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, moving on a little bit, though. We have uh, – I know we just mentioned Wolves, but Crystal Palace versus Wolves and uh, Palace 2-0 win here. Oh, yeah. It was actually a great game, uh, in all honesty. Very interesting tactically, given that both teams, one loves to push forward and Wolves, the other, Crystal Palace, loves to be on the press and really go for the throat against their opponents, so to speak, and – 
nobody honestly embodied this better than Connor Gallagher throughout that entire game. Um, got the goal and the winner, or the, not the winner, but to seal it up to to go two nil. And um, Crystal Palace in particular just totally dominated Wolves, which is pretty impressive to say the least, because Wolves have been a, a great team to watch, and especially how they play and the way Bruno Large likes to play. Um, so Crystal Palace again grinding out results. They got the win against City. They got the win against Wolves. Um, it seems like they're really starting to figure themselves out as a team. Vieira starting to figure himself out as a coach. And again, they're going to be a dangerous team in the future. Um, Wolves, again, a little slight dip of form, I guess, because they were on that six game unbeaten streak, but, you know, both still in pretty respectable positions. Wolves at eight now, uh, Palace at, I believe they're at what? They're at um, a 10th. I mean, it kind of, it's good spots for both of them going into the break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Crystal Pass Revival is awesome. I mean, yeah. the first couple weeks of the season, we thought they were going to be going nowhere, and all of a sudden, they just kind of little by little are grinding out like draws that against teams you didn't think so, and then now they're starting to finally put together some wins. Like we we said, they, I thought the growing pains would be a little bit longer. I thought it'd be more, you know, maybe halfway into the season, maybe closer to the end, like they start getting these type of wins. But the fact that they're doing this eleven games in, it's very, very, very bright going for the future. Yeah, definitely. Credit Patrick Vieira turning around. Mm-hmm. Then heading over to uh, we had Brighton uh, one, Newcastle one. Brighton scored on an early penalty from uh, Trossard, and then later on equalized out by Isaiah Hayden. And at the very end of the game, we had a nice red card uh, to the Brighton keeper. He took out Cal Wilson outside the box, last man defending. Um, Brighton's on a bit of a skid after such a hot start as well. The kind of team that's mm-hmm. cooled off, just like Brentford has. They haven't. They're winless in their last five. Um, I think it was. Mm-hmm. The four draws and a loss, if I remember correctly. Yep, four draws that, and yeah. a loss. Yeah. What do What do we got going on over here after their dream start to the season? I, th- I think it might just be another case like like Brentford. Just you can they just put so much into those opening weeks. I I mean, how much can they really rotate? There, there's there's going to be tired legs when you put in that amount of effort, and especially when things are getting good, you know, going to get even more clogged up when you talk about the fixture schedule going forward. It's 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 worrying to see. I will say, though, after the red card, obviously you think Newcastle is going to be on the front foot, but Brighton still looked the more likely of the teams to to get that equalizer. They had most of the ball in the opposition's third even after the red card. So um, hopefully just a quick blip for them, but it's a little dangerous right now. I wouldn't I mean, be too concerned. I think they're kind of falling back into where they should be. I think they're definitely punching above their weight prior, mm-hmm. but – you know, given the form, obviously there's always a what you can notice to point out what can be better. But um, yeah, I, I think the international breaks coming at a good time for them to reset mentally and probably get some tired legs, some some well needed rest. So yeah, I feel like they're falling a little bit almost back into last year, where if you want to go by the expected goals, I'm sure that no Brighton fan wants to hear about it ever again. But yeah, they sit there, they create you know 1.4 last game, Newcastle 0.37. So. Mm-hmm. Obviously, should be taking three points from that that type of a game, and one little lapse defensively is what's causing a you know turning three points into one. And a, you know, in a game they really should be taking all three points from. Yeah, so, not easy, but I think they'll figure it out. Like Mike said, after the after the break, they have a good chance. Uh, moving on to Sunday, uh, Arsenal Watford was uh, first up. Arsenal won the winners against Watford. Arsenal's up to fifth. They were the butt of the <laughs> Premier League jokes for the first three weeks of the season. Uh, oh, 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 and three. And um, now I look at I can't them. believe it. Yeah. 
I don't want to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm just going to go on mute for the rest of this portion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those that don't remember, the first three weeks of the season, Spurs, Mike's favorite team, were in first place, 3-0-0. And uh, Arsenal was the exact bottom as we had a North London derby or North London sandwich for the Premier League table. And now it's uh, kind of flipped around a little bit. Yeah, let's just uh, forget about it. Okay. We'll move on. I, move <laughs> I don't, don't want to like overthink this though, but because like, when you look at the results, like I understand where they're sitting at the table, but they drew to Brighton, they drew to Palace, they beat a struggling Aston Villa and Leeds United team, Leeds in the EFL Cup, and the, uh, somewhat a Leicester and then Watford team. I mean, now they're getting into nitty gritty. Now they have Liverpool, United, Everton within, and West Ham within their next six games. I think this is going to be more telling of what type of team we're going to see going forward. Yeah, they. I mean, they also have one of the one of the tougher starts this season, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, any anytime, uh, I don't know how. If you face a newly promoted team day one, like you're the opening game in the Premier League, um, you know it's gonna be hard. Be worried. Never, yeah. never an easy match, yeah. especially that away from home. Then, then they walked into City and Chelsea right away. So, was do I think they should have got a result against Brentford? I think a, a team of their quality should. But yes, Vito's Vito's spot on with this when he's saying like now like you got your hard games out of the way. Then you had some easy ones where you should be picking up your points and you're up, you're back up to where you, you want to be as a club. Here's the real test. Can you, can you yeah. keep it sustained against the actual, you know, the rest of the mm-hmm. top of the tables? Is it so. true momentum and talent or is it just playing quote unquote lesser teams right now? Exactly. Are you, are you, yeah, just inferior opponents or not? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So then also on Sunday, we had Everton Spurs nil, nil draw. Yeah, this was a pretty interesting game, regardless of the uh, the nil nil scoreline. Um, it started out like a, a pretty a pretty good affair. Both teams were seemed to be you know fairly evenly matched. Uh, there was a couple changes for Rafa Benitez to the Everton side. He brought in um, Fabian Delph and uh, Anthony Gordon. Um, but really, this game boiled down to the second half. Um, Hugh Lloris saw what was thought to be a penalty, uh, and it was initially reverted because he got the slightest of fingertips. <laughs> to the ball before making uh, contact with Richarlison. So VAR ended up, yeah, they ended up over overturning it. Um, and you can just see that the crowd immediately got behind Everton and they were from there on out, the team on the front foot. Spurs looked like they were comfortable sitting back, trying to defend a little bit, but mm-hmm. no real chances. Um, what was a little confusing was towards the end of the game, the 92nd minute, was it? There yeah. was a, there was a, a red card given out. Um I don't know how this was a red card, in my opinion. Holgate went through the ball to clear it, and he, when he was clearing it with his foot, his studs came up, and they they clipped um, a Spurs player who went down. But what was confusing about that was they overturned a penalty because Larice got a fingertip on it but because he got to the ball first technically. But when Holgate clears a ball and follows through, now it's a penalty. So it was kind of difficult to see where, yeah, where I, the distinction came from. I don't really – agree that it was a one a foul and two yeah like a red a red card offense in all honesty um i mean he's clearing through the ball and if his foot slips you know i understand like you can't kick somebody in the the thigh but i i don't think that's an inadvertent uh, i think it's an inadvertent type of tackle it's, it's not like he had a yellow card on him previously this was a straight red in the 92nd minute for a clearance yeah so um, I think it's a, it's a pretty contested red card, and I, I get the feeling that they'll probably appeal that in particular, and I'd, I'd be curious to see what what happens if they do appeal it. So, Yeah, I, I think overall, though, from a Spurs perspective, this is a very Jekyll and Hyde moment. 
Jekyll because <laughs> I feel like it feels Spursy to me though. Yes, they 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 brought Sorry. in Con- Antonio Conte in because Antonio Conte number one is a fantastic manager. But number two, this guy's known for organizing his defense, known for stopping leaky defenses. Look what we did for Chelsea and what happened after he left. And he comes into a Spurs team that was letting in goals and they give up zero uh, zero goals in his, his first match in the Premier League. Great. On the exact opposite side, this is another game in what a month where Spurs did not register a single shot on target. Harry Kane hit the post. (laughs) Not a shot on target. (laughs) Not a shot on target. That's not a save. I mean, you can't win a game if you're not going to put shots on net. And there's enough attacking talent in that team that they should be putting shots on target. But In in all honesty, I think the offense can sort itself out because the talent is there, uh, like bar none, like with Son and Kane and some of the other players they have, like they definitely have that ability. Um, I, if I was Conte, you know, and I'm, I'm glad, obviously, like you mentioned it, it was a zero, zero draw. And the biggest issue we had was the defense mm-hmm. and how fragile they looked. Yeah. So for the, him to come in the second game in that he's coached for Spurs, especially after giving up a three, no lead in the Europa League <laughs> yeah. conference. To, uh, to, I can't remember the fucking team. Exactly the point though, like, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Right. So for him to come in second game and get a nil, nil draw, I take that personally as a win uh, just because if you can get, you know, those defensive players to be just a tad more confident, I'm pretty sure he'll figure out the offense and get Kane and son and, there's the rest of the supporting cast moving pretty quickly. So I think so as well. Yeah. His he's kind of like a project type of manager, in my opinion, mm-hmm. whereas it's not going to be that year of a fix. It's good. It's great that he has so much time between now and the end of the season, but he's typically the year after two years after, like you saw with Chelsea, you saw it enter Juve even back, I think in like 2012. Uh, so great, great sign for them as a manager perspective. And they'll, they'll, I've, I find it very hard to believe they don't figure it out. Quick yeah. question though, for you. I, I, I agree with you, Steve. He's, he's, a, he's a project manager. Uh, the only other time you could say the opposite maybe is when he came to Chelsea, but he implemented a 3-4-3 that no one in that league had seen in, in what, years at that point? And yes, now there's a very... couple teams using it. You think his time at Chelsea is kind of biting him in the ass to a quick start here at Tottenham by utilizing that formation? Mm, no, because he, he, nah. he, went, he went to Italy where it's way more common. And, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. It shouldn't, at least. Okay. Put it that way. Um, heading over to Leeds and Leicester, 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah, it was actually a pretty entertaining game for the neutral, um, although it ended in a draw. Rafinha had the initial goal off a free kick, curled in. Uh, Schmeichel didn't have the ability to get a touch onto it, so it slipped right through. He had to wait for the ball to come in. Uh, and then literally directly after the goal, about 30 seconds later, Ball over the top, missed header clearance. Harvey Barnes picks it up, corner of the 18, and curls in a banger of a shot. Um, right past is, is – I can't pronounce the, the Leeds keeper's last name. Messier. Messier. But um, after that, you know, there was a couple other chances for both Leicester and Leeds. Um, you know, goal pretty much point-blank opportunities that they both missed. Um, and it was a great game overall. Um, but, yeah, 1-1 draw probably deserved for both teams. They probably feel like they each could have got something a little bit more out of it, but ultimately, I think the result was was fitting, given the leaky defenses and kind of the woes each team has had. So, I got you. Leicester's kind of coming back in the form a little bit, but their last couple of results didn't really do them well. Two draws and a loss. Um, 
uh, against Arsenal. But before that, they were they're they were figuring it out too. Um, what about Leeds? I mean, they've been we've been talking about them a lot this year, where they seem found out and they can't really get wins or just any type of momentum going up the table. Um, do you guys think they're starting to you know grind out a result or two, or they're not really making any progress? I think they've already made progress, but I feel like they've stagnated since then. If that makes sense, I mean, it was hard. It's hard not to be worse than they were at the beginning of the season. You know what I mean? Um, but I think this this Leicester game at home for them, I think, was winnable. I think they'll be comfortable with a one 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 draw, but I think there's still a lot more left in the tank for them. Okay. Yeah, it almost feels like they go one game, you know, one game forward, another game backwards. You just yeah, like they can't just. I'd say together, like, one game forward, forward, two games backwards for that really? particular. Yeah, and yeah. in my opinion, because I feel like they they're winning or drawing against the teams they should be most likely, and then the teams that they need to try to pick up points, that's where they really are stuttering, and it kind of just smells like a classic lower tier mid table side to me, um, at the bottom half of a table. So. You think and they start. will end, end of the season? Do you, do you feel that they'll be actually fighting for relegation, or will they push a uh, push above? I, th- that? I think they push above the relegation zone, but I think they get no higher than twelfth place. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say they probably finish in like thirteen or fourteen. Okay, I got you. And then uh, last game of the weekend, Sunday, we had a thriller: West Ham three, Liverpool two. This was a great. This was a great game. Um, first of all. Huge credit to West Ham, up to third place in the table right now. This feels like West Ham from last year where they were just just absolutely putting teams to the sword that they were supposed to and then putting in brilliant performances against, quote-unquote, top six teams, you know. Um, David Moyes is doing a great job with this team. Liverpool did not think they were going to slip up as badly as they did. They went down. I mean, Allison had a game to forget. <laughs> Fornell scored directly from a corner in the fourth <laughs> minute, I think it was, something like that. Um they came back, they tied it up. Mo Salah felt a little non-existent during, the, during that game. Um, you heard his name much fewer times than you're typically used to. Um, and West Ham deserved to be 3-1 up uh, at a certain point in that game. I think it was the 70th minute or 60th minute or so. They hit the bar once or twice, but credit to Liverpool. They did give them a very good game. They came back. Mane had a couple of brilliant chances that he squandered one directly at the keeper from four yards out. And the other one in the 93rd minute where he probably should have converted and it didn't happen for them. Uh, this is a huge win. This one sent a bit of shockwaves to the table. I think I, I don't know about what you, you think, think, but do you think Liverpool's having a little bit of a hangover from the wins against city, the wins against man, no, the champions league. No. And then this is kind of like a blip or do you think this is more or less Mm-mm. going back to the mean? I think this is – I I had mentioned this at the beginning of the year. I thought their biggest problem was they don't have the depth. They don't. Their biggest problem – you talk about their their season last year, and you can blame it on injuries. Really what they need to be blamed on is they have a lack of depth in each position. Who's going to fill in these four positions when Mane or Salah goes out? Yeah, he picked up Jota, well, but Roberto Fino's already speaking, misfiring. Speaking, speaking of that as well, the AFCON Cup of Nations coming up. So it would be curious to see because they're going to be missing a yeah. couple games at a bare minimum, both of them. Yep. Fabinho so, played a lot of minutes. He came back from a slight injury, and he looked very slow in the last 20 or 30 minutes of that game. He's placing a couple passes. Actually, one of the goals, it was it was taken right off his foot in the middle of the park. I mean, Liverpool on their day, best team in the world, I, I think. Would it, no? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think I, I think they, they are. They're, but they're they're, they're vulnerable good. to the the fitness issues. Their 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 health, their rotation, 
teams that like Chelsea and Manchester city don't have a problem with um, because of their depth. And I think that's, what's going to end up hurting them in the long run. Do you think West Ham are lucky to get all three points in this one though? They really didn't create a ton of chances though, going forward. I think they were better with the ball just about every single time they had it. I think they could have had one or two more the same way that Liverpool could have had one or two more if they had been slightly more clinical, but ultimately it just looked like West Ham were hungrier. It looked like Liverpool were just comfortable being where where the stars and our quality mm-hmm. will shine through. And West Ham just looked so much more conjoined, like they're willing yeah. to one for one another at all times. And Fournells put in a shift, hands down, man of the match. Must play like a nine three nine four overall, um, and he was he was a difference maker on the day. Yeah, I mean, they have four nows who's really kicking into gear. And then Declan Rice in particular, too. I oh, mean, yeah. He's – be price tag. I, I'd be surprised if he isn't already – like, a not a, the shoe-in, but if he isn't one of the betting favorites to win, like, young player of the year at the end of this year, even though he's not getting the goals. But what he's mm-hmm. doing for that team in the defensive half and sitting in front of the back four, he's playing phenomenally. So, yeah, yeah Moyes has got that team playing – much greater than the sum of their parts, hypothetically, right? Or, yeah, uh, he, so. he's actually a guy that I think Newcastle should be looking for as manager, maybe if Eddie Howe doesn't work out for the end of the year. That's if, he, he, that's if he wants to down... Agreed. Do I don't that? think he will, but I think if you're Newcastle, that's the type of manager you need to be focusing on. But this is what happens when you put your faith behind the manager, right? I mean, look at what happened to him at Manchester United. He was... He, he gave him time to put a project together and he just took West Ham who were fighting relegation a couple of years ago. Keep in mind to two straight years now at fighting in the top four position. I mean, he's doing an incredible job. I think most of this comes down to the manager. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they're all bought into what he's doing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. That man, you appointment for him. I thought maybe it was a little premature in his career. Plus yeah. also, you I mean, you're following up there the most legendary coach or manager they've ever had. So it wasn't really, yeah. uh, you know, best of time for him, but yep. yeah, ever since they were, they were kind of the opposite of some other teams, they were slow starters this season. And then as the season's gone on and progressed, they've actually mm-hmm. gotten much better. Um, I think they want to say one, two, three, four, one, five out of the last seven or no six out of the last seven in, in all competitions. So, Props to them. That's awesome. And then, um, yeah, I we said in the beginning of the season, like they were that one A, like to like well, the top four. I was gonna say too. I mean, they obviously they had passed that Liverpool test this past weekend, but the next couple of games they have in the Premier League in particular, they're playing Wolves. Not going to be an easy game. They're playing Man City. They're playing Brighton. Playing Chelsea. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out of that gauntlet of games right there. Yeah, not to mention before they play City like two and a half days prior, basically they, uh, they have a Europa league match, which they're also cleaning up in, by the way, they could probably rest players in that though. Cause they're pretty much qualified through. So they are qualified. They need one yeah. point technically at this, at this yeah. stage and it's going to happen. But um, right now, based on how, what this West team's doing, what David Moyes is doing for this team, top four. Yeah. I, I could see it. Yeah. I, I could definitely see it. So. I mean, Given Manchester United struggles so far, I mean it's 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 a wide open race right now. Yeah, in all honesty, we I, saw I, we saw last year how the town of like someone like Chelsea and Liverpool came through at the end of the season, um, at the very very end, and how West Ham kind of fell off a little bit. 
so will their depth issues or if they have any injuries come up or Mikel Antonio goes down, will that come back to bite them? It's possible with, without a doubt. But, you know, if you're going off the eye test right now, 100% they're top four. Yeah. So uh, just moving on throughout the show, we're not going to do a um, Stars and Stripes section or anything like that. We have United States, United States Men's National Team's camp, World Cup qualifying camp coming up. So we actually have a guest star or guest uh, speaker, speaker coming on the podcast yeah. in um, – uh, over on Friday, so we're going to skip that for now. But heading into our final thoughts, we have our prediction updates. Someone is back in first place, and that someone is me. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the, uh, you're at the bottom. Relax there. Uh, I got 53. Mike's over to 50, and Vito is lonely down there in third place by himself with 49. Damn, can't even break 50. Loser. Yeah, scrub. <laughs> wow. It's all right. We've all been down there. We'll so see. Far we'll see. It's, there, it's a long season. What uh? What else do you guys got to close up the show? U.S. Man, even though this is a Premier League podcast, U.S. is all I'm focused on. El yep. Mexico versus the United States, and I want to see El Mexico. El Tree. What I'm, I'm actually going to be at a concert on Friday. I plan on being on my phone for the majority of it, watching <laughs> this game. Kidding? Who are you saying? I didn't know when I bought the tickets. Come on. <laughs> Damn tickets. Uh all time low. Oh, nice. Yeah, there yeah. So I'll, I'll be drunkenly screaming, and they're gonna think I'm yelling at the performers, but I will be yelling be, at my phone. He'll be reliving his uh times in middle school, just getting upset. Damn straight, baby. Reading yeah. some type of text message from a girl he used to. I've love. been growing my it's hair awesome. out. I'm ready to die black. <laughs> Watch out. Middle school Steve forgives you. Uh, me currently does not. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for uh, this episode of the Sunny League Screamers podcast. Uh, give us a like, comment, and subscribe. Hit the bell to our YouTube channel. Also, find us on Spotify, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcast. Give us a follow over on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pods for daily tweets about the Barclays Premier League, the show, world football, United States men's national team. I'm your host, Steve, with Vito and Mike. We're signing off. <laughs>